0: Stephen Dan Fouts here and you've landed on the Teach Different podcast, the one and only podcast that's devoted just to conversations. We're about to share a quote with you and use a technique we've developed that's going to stretch your mind and test your ability to really think about something from all different perspectives. We believe intelligence is a process that needs other opinions and perspectives to survive. So that's why we do what we do, and we aren't afraid to take on any topic. So sit back, keep your eyes on the road, and let's talk about ideas that really matter.
1: We have an awesome show tonight with uh, Scott Petrie, a teacher from uh, Los Angeles, I believe, right? Outside Los Los Angeles, California, social studies teacher. He's got a really um, interesting background that um he will share with us and with us in a in a moment our quote tonight is actually a quote he used with his students so this is a first um nobody who's ever been on the show has used the the you know a a really good quote like this with students beforehand and the quote is going to be from walter benjamin who is a i hadn't heard of him before a literary critic and essayist a german And uh, I'm going to read that quote in a a minute here. It's a very provocative one. Uh, But for those unfamiliar with the teach different method, we're going to start with this really good quote. We're going to work through the claim, try to interpret it, say what it means. If some personal experiences come up, we will share those. We like to model that because when the kids do that in class, it is fantastic. And then we're going to work on a counterclaim to the quote we're going to disagree with it or maybe push back on it think about the world in a little different way and that's the critical thinking piece of this which is so important and then as questions percolate we share them the organic questions that come from the tension of the claim and the counterclaim that's the method it's simple but not simplistic and here's our quote walter benjamin I'll say it twice, and then Scott will weigh in here. The true measure of life is memory. The true measure of life is memory. Scott, welcome to the show. Give us a little bit of your background, and then give us the first stab at at what this means.
2: All right. Uh, Thank you, guys, for having me on. Uh, It's always nice to see people that you've met on Twitter. Um, I have been a social studies teacher for about 20 years, uh, middle and high school in Los Angeles. Um, I have also been a, an admin for a brief time, a small school principal, uh, but I went back to the classroom because I figured out that I really like engaging with the kids. I have about their same sense of humor, about the seventh grade male sense of humor. Um, I kind of fell into teaching. Uh, I had worked for Disney as an Imagineer uh, in their um, research and development group, and before that, I had been in the private golf course industry. And I often kick myself for leaving that industry because I could be playing golf every day, and instead, um, you know, standing in front of thirty teenagers. But um, I I found that I I love teaching. Uh, It works with my short attention span because just when you're really sick of these kids and they're on your last nerve, they go away and you get a new crop three months later. And it takes almost a year before you're sick of them. So you can kind of use the same old dog and pony show and rinse and repeat and get better results. So
0: what do you think the claim is what's the claim to truth here how would you put it in your own words
2: so you know it's it's a very interesting claim uh the true measure of life is memory like if you have a lot of good memories then maybe you've had a good life but what about the people that maybe don't have so many good memories or what about the people who have short lives? So it's one of those things where when you first encounter it, you're like, yeah, that's good. But then you're like, well, but but wait a second. Maybe there's more we could consider here. And so the hard part for me is shutting up and letting my students unpack it.
0: That... You just went claim-counterclaim so <laughs> organically. You almost gave the counterclaim in relation to the claim which i i i think is really interesting here because is this true and in what way is it true in all cases is the true measure of life memory my first thought was well what about people who have alzheimer's mm-hmm. like are they not alive i you know I I, I'm, I'm thinking in that realm as well. And I'm also fixated on this word measure. The true measure of life is memory. So Dan, let me bring you in here.
1: I, yeah, the word measure was what I was fixating on as well. And I, I substituted in my head, the word value for measure. I don't know if you guys had a, a similar synonym and and I I see that that when you have memories it create I I teach a philosophy elective Scott and one of we're on a unit right now this is, could not be more perfect timing for this quote for me we're doing a unit on who am I it's identity and one of the theories that philosophers put forward to personal identity is that we are who we are because of the continuity of our memories over time they form a link to who we are and that our conscious memories of us at age 10 you know and then at age 20 and so on form that kind of strand of humanity for us and i so the, the again that, that's what's in my head. And the value of that is thinking about your life having value because of your memories. That's what makes up who you are as a person, um, the collection of that. So anyway, I'm just trying to explain the claim in my own tortured language. But mm-hmm. such an interesting quote.
2: It is. And, uh, you know, I look at the term measure and well, I want to look for you. I want to look for something positive or negative. I want it to be empirical almost. So, And I know we oh, obsess over that in academic writing is you're supposed to use words precisely. So when you say the true measure of life, what is that? And I kind of go back to you know, our value systems. Do you believe people are basically good or are people basically evil? If you throw your wallet on a student's desk and it's got $40 in it, are, is that going to be there at the end of the day or are you go have going to been relieved of that money by the end of the day? So there's all sorts of ways you can test if people are good or evil. interesting.
0: Um, you're so you're reading into that a little bit of intention like uh, moral yeah, moral okay. the so, true measure of life is memory. I didn't get the moral aspect of it. I'm considering that now. Uh, I I will say with a lot of my AP research students, they're coming up with their
2: own project. It's usually a science project or, or something. And they have to develop a hypothesis. And then they have to do an experiment that either supports it or doesn't sustain it. And so I always try to scaffold them towards research questions that are empirical and you can prove it. The data suggests that, yes, uh, the true measure of life is memory or the data suggests, no, it's not. Um, and I wanted to throw out a couple of student counterclaims, too, because I, I do this with like 80 kids a day. So I throw out the quote. I give them, their, you know, 10 minutes to, to write and take their whack at interpreting it. And a few of them that I pulled uh, were, I thought, very interesting. Uh, one student said, the true measure of life is not what's memorable, but what is admirable. So again, kind of defaulting to the value that, yeah, to be admirable, you have to do something positive, um, and then you can further unpack and define what is admirable, and is that really what is memorable? Um, I I think when you go through, like especially now with our media focus, and uh, I'm I'm thinking about the sensationalizing of these school shootings, we're not focusing on what's admirable. We go wherever the biggest atrocity has been. And we obsess on that atrocity for a few days until there's another atrocity somewhere else. So at first, I kind of like that. What is admirable addition? But then I'm like, I don't know if that's really precise enough to get at the heart of the quote.
0: Good, good. Give me another counterclaim they gave.
2: Uh the past should be forgotten, and the future should be the main focus in life.
0: Now there's wow. a the reason why I'm perking up is I'm imagining being a third grader. Mm-hmm. I I get that one. Like that, that's really I lo- say it again.
2: The past should be forgotten, and the future should be the main focus in life.
0: Boy, that sounds like really maybe good advice for people (laughs) who don't want to have good memories. (laughs) Because not all of life, as we know, is hunky-dory. So if you really want to measure your life, you can't focus on the past. You've got to be more visionary. And you've got to, you know, believe things and will them into existence. That's the measure of life. I'm just going with that that thought mm, that's, process. That's Dan, the sentiment.
1: Yeah, that's the sentiment. It's it's looking ahead, not looking back. Uh, I, I like that. I really like that one. Here's another one. You know, the, the true measure of life is longevity. Mm, yep which I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that, but th- that, that is a reasonable thing to come back with here. Um, it's, it's having a long life, a, which is in, its, in itself a meaningful one. I got one.
0: The true measure of life is how you treat other people. Now, Scott, I'm going to go with your normative sense here of putting a value on this. And I thought about this before. I personally believe that how you treat other people is your passport to immortality. And I say it in the sense that our physical beings, you know, the things in our life, they're going to be gone. Uh, They literally will not exist at some point. They'll be Mm -hmm. gone. But how you project yourself while you're living, are you a positive person? If you are, that good can be carried on because someone can get it from you and then pass it on to someone else. And so I'm thinking of that being the measure of life. How, How much can you project yourself out into the future? And if you do something bad, guess what? You're also projecting that. Mm -hmm. So, so it's not, I'm not saying it has to be good or bad, but just. It's a character.
1: Yeah. I I think it's a character thing. It's a personality thing. The true measure of life is how you conduct yourself. I would go beyond how you treat other people. It's, it's also how you just conduct yourself, how, how you treat yourself, how you comport yourself, and yeah, that's what carries on. That's what um, shows up in other people. I, I really, it, one of the things I love to do, Scott, with students, I'm sure you do as well, they are, they're adults as well. They're very unaware of the impact that they're having on other people by their attitudes, what they say, they're unaware of their power. And, to help them understand that that gets carried on because of their presence, I think is a really important lesson.
2: So I'd like to go back to the longevity piece that you added, Dan, because, um, I think that's debatable too, you know, that um, a true measure of life is longevity. I'm thinking of my grandmother who made it to 98, but you know what? She was miserable for the last five years and did not have a good high quality of life. And then I'm also thinking about parents, God forbid, they lose a, a child. And so how would you be able to not accept that your child had a true life? Your child was worth something just because they did not have a long life. So
0: those are great counterclaims.
2: And, and what's what's great about this quote is it lends itself to so much that people can bring in and it just continues the conversation. And I want to add. I used to think I was a pretty good teacher before the pandemic. Uh, I had great conversations in my class. I would record video, videotape fishbowl conversations, book talks, presentations. My kids were really pretty good at speaking and I could show them growth over time. Since the pandemic, I can't get anybody to talk. No one. I had one class where seven kids in a row said, I'll take the zero instead of getting up and presenting their slides so i don't know if all teachers are experiencing this but they when are. i do talk to teachers they're all saying the kids aren't as motivated as they used to be they're less inclined to engage um and so this protocol where you get kids to really unpack the quote and put their their own interpretation their own spin on it i think is really key to bringing kids back to school
0: well yeah, and well I, I have
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have one, one more that I want to say, and remember, these are coming from 10th graders. So these are 15 year olds whose emotions whipsaw back and forth one day, everything's great. The next day, everything's horrible. Um, but this one student said, not every memory measures the true meaning of life as humans. We have many regrets throughout our lifetime. It's normal, but it's not a good feeling to experience. Oh, I really want to know more about what's going on in that kid's life.
0: Well, Scott, Scott, here's the other part that we really haven't done yet in our conversation, which really can get the kids talking if the prompts are well placed to ask them to share some personal experiences. That would be one where you might want to push them a little bit. You probably have. But do you want to share an experience where you had a regret? I mean, what made you think yeah. of this? This adds a lot of color to these, to the, the the boring claim counterclaim idea. You're not just playing with ideas here. You you want to support them with your experiences. And that's what can help bring the kids out. So right. I'm going to put that, uh, that question out to you, Scott and Dan. Do you have any experiences? And I'm thinking of them myself that support the claim or the counterclaim on this? I'll say just myself, if you don't mind, and I probably should be waiting for some silence, by the way. If if you were my <laughs> students, I shouldn't be talking. So yeah, you keep talking. <laughs> I got to keep going here. All right. But I'm thinking of different times where, and I'll get back into the teaching right now. When I have a bad class second period, I find that if my memory is too good, I'm going to make third period a bad period because of second period. So I have to actively turn off my memory and start a blank slate. And I do that because the next class deserves it. So in that case, I do feel like mem- I would say maybe the true measure of life is your ability to control your memory.
1: Or forgetfulness. Oh. Or forgetfulness. Selective
0: forgetfulness. Right. Selective,
1: selective, selective forgetfulness. forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would totally agree with that. Um, I would, well, I guess this is kind of related to it with teaching having bad classes getting over things you have to have a very stoic attitude to be good at this job in my opinion and not let things totally consume you so you know the the true measure of life is is being able to stay calm and think clearly in the midst of frustration and failure I mean there's so many ways to this is why I love this quote every single kid in your class could complete this sentence with a word other than memory, and have it be a rich discussion.
2: So, well, a personal experience that kind of comes up for me uh, is uh, unfortunately the the death of my mother. You know, my mother died uh, younger. She had lived with juvenile diabetes for fifty five years, uh, and she died when my kids were really young. And I feel very guilty that she doesn't. Uh, my youngest really doesn't have that many memories of my mother. And oh, my God, I see I I feel my mother laughing at me every day as this teenager rakes me over the coals and just tells me how stupid I am and how fat I am and how basically everything I've ever done in my life is meaningless and stupid. Uh, And trust her, she's 15. She already knows everything. She doesn't need to learn anything from you. So I'm often thinking of my mother and how she's looking down from heaven and laughing because karma has come full circle.
0: Well, I was going to ask you to go there a little bit. It (laughs) sounds like you were something of a troublesome uh, child at times, which there you go. yes (laughs) It is yes, karma.
2: <laughs> it totally is and okay. um you know i i like to believe that maybe mom is watching and is being greatly entertained and is now feeling like her life was not in vain that she did an admirable job uh raising young people and i hope i'm i'm doing well <laughs> i hope i'm doing half as good of a job
1: well said and and as you know scott when when we as teachers share our personal experiences in an appropriate way it really can have an impact in class and help kids feel comfortable doing the same and i I think a lot of teachers are are frightened with that and it can be powerful so it it, yeah that's a part of this we are if this is working if this method is working we are like students in our own classroom Mm -hmm. And, and that's the best kinds of experiences, in my opinion, as a teacher.
2: So, all right. I know we're getting late on time, but I wanted to share one last uh, counterclaim. Um, our memories do not make up our entire character. There are other aspects unknown to us that determine how we are. One thing to support this is Charlotte's relation to Francisca. She does not have memories of her mother, but she still knows that she existed. She does not have any memories of this person, but she still knows that her other relatives have memories of her mother that live on despite her not being able to remember her mother. And so awareness almost. With the backstory I just shared, you can tell why that resonated with me too. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about literature, really, when you use it in a history course or a philosophy course, everybody sees a little bit of themselves and their baggage in that quote or in that counterclaim.
1: I want your students in my philosophy class, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) So well, well, I
2: hope I hope they'll uh I hope they'll uh consider that because i enjoyed i was a philosophy minor i was a political science major me too my my favorite story of becoming a teacher is you know i i was uh, a working uh, a peon in the show business world for 10 12 years and i wrote 11 screenplays and i uh thought i i wrote a book uh i thought i would be a professional writer i thought i would uh You know, that would be my key to success. And then I became a teacher and I thought I'd be an English teacher. But when I went to the district with my paperwork, they said, oh, no, political science major, you're a history teacher. And I said, but, but I haven't taken any history classes. I didn't have any history classes in undergrad. It was all government and poli-sci. And they said, that's okay. Here's the book. Go ahead and be a history teacher. And so I've always felt like I'm a closeted English teacher because I really care more about story than anything else. Yes. And that's all history is and all philosophy is. is like, can you make an argument? Can you make a story? Can you make people believe in this?
1: Good. Yeah, and- that's great. That is spot on. Well, Good. I have maybe an, if, an essential question. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to go to the it's question. It's really straightforward. What
0: does the true measure of something mean? Just just focus on that. I feel like that's a really important question that came up in my head, at least. For or this what, quote. Is,
1: what is the true measure of life? Similar to that, but you're just more generally, what's the true measure? What does it mean anything? to
0: say measure? Right. Like uh, the true measure. Right. Th- well, that's it, so it tells loaded. me
2: you're going to be judged. Are you going to be judged by yourself or are you going to be judged by St. Peter? Um, you know, and it, it really depends on, I guess, how you were brought up and what religious values you have. Um, you know, but I think the true measure is some form of evaluation. I don't know if you're doing the self-evaluation and saying my life was meaningful because, or I wish I had, if only I had done X, Y, and Z, then my life would have been more meaningful. Um, that That's kind of my
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's normative. I, it it might that's theory. my take too. Yeah, it, you're evaluating it. Well, Scott, this was a, a very invigorating uh, conversation. I, I, I appreciate that you use this quote with your students and you brought in your student comments. Um, and that provided a richness to this that yeah. is indescribable. We've never had this before and it, it really added a lot. And, and we really appreciate your perspective and, and the work that you do. Thank you so much for, for being on the show.
2: And you're so welcome. And just one last point I want to make is I want to commend you guys for this work because teaching teenagers that they can have contradictory and competing thoughts in their head uh is important because they're just getting they're not getting Fox News cuz they're not 90 but they're getting like news from TikTok and they're getting opinions from social media and being able to really think methodically and deliberate and, and not shout someone down is, I think, one of the more important aspects of, of what we do as teachers. Um, we do have to deliberate, not debate. And teaching them to have, you know, maybe I don't agree with your opinion, but now I see your perspective and why you hold that opinion.
1: Thank you for that. It means a lot. All right, well, well. again, thank you so much, Scott, and uh, we hope to see you in the future, and we're definitely gonna stay in touch. Thanks for coming on the Teach Different podcast.
0: Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and you're walking away with some great ideas because you stepped back and had a conversation about things that really matter. All it takes is a quote and a little intention, and we hope the Teach Different method helps inspire you to try out a quote with your class or someone close to you who is ready to expand their mind and open up to greater truths. Continue the journey with us and visit our conversation project at convoproject.org to learn more about our private coaching programs for teachers and families. We're ready to help everybody have better conversations. So let's keep them going and take care everybody.